right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're back with another episode of Up In Your Business. We're here with Bradley from Aerogami. Did I get it right? Yes, sir. That's awesome. right. Uh, Bradley, thanks for coming in, man. Hey, thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Um, so for anybody listening, um, basically, we met Bradley at the Founders and Friends events, which if you've listened to either of the last two episodes, you've heard a little bit about. Um, and uh, yeah, so pretty excited for this episode. Um, what we usually start with is a little segment called 20 Questions. I don't know if you caught that in yeah. any of the episodes. I saw that, I saw that as a consistent string. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we forgot it with Nick. I know. Yeah, I was going to say, well, it's funny because I'm going to have a question for you guys after this. Good. Where I'm going to see, put, hopefully put you on the spot on it. All right. Uh, favorite color? Uh, has to be green. Favorite snack? Oof. Um, really been into the uh, pretzels lately. Okay. iPhone or Android? Oh, Android all day. Left or right? Left. I got to go. Pick Let's a number one to ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait for that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go eight. Favorite number? Favorite number 18. Coffee or tea? Coffee all day. Favorite drink? Uh, espresso. Specific right. coffee. Hell yeah. yeah. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Hot coffee. All right. Steak or chicken? Steak. Oreo or Chips Ahoy? Oreo. No question. That's right. Favorite vegetable? Oof. Um... I'd probably go asparagus. That's pretty good. That's a really pretty good one. Pretty good done right. Um, prefer to work from home or in an office? A little bit of both. I think 50-50. Good mix. Yeah. All right. Uh, clean desk or messy desk? Oh, clean. For sure. Your biggest inspirational role model? Ooh, um, that's tough. Um, oh, man. Like my future self, hopefully. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Good I like answer. that. Uh, last time you ran a mile or close? Oh, uh, had to have been like five weeks ago. Last time I was at the gym. Uh, coolest place you've ever traveled? Oh, it'd have to be Sevilla or Amsterdam. Sevilla, where's that? Spain. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, first job ever? First job ever, um, soccer referee. All right. In seventh grade. Interesting. Yeah. Favorite day of the week? Ooh, Thursday. That's a good one. I don't know why I just thought it was like Thursday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> favorite part of your job? Oh, favorite part of my job? Um, creating. All right, there you go. Cool. Do you get all the crazy parents yelling at you when you were a referee? Yeah. Oh, oh dude. I got to say, we want to <laughs> talk referee imagine. stories, man, dude. Let me tell you, there was flagpoles thrown. Like, dude, people get heated at a 12 yeah. year old soccer match. Let me Ooh. tell you. That was the first time I really saw pure anger. <laughs> <laughs> Probably learn a lot about people. Exactly. Like the crazy soccer mom and yeah. dad just exactly. going wild. It was an early lesson in management. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. That's no, seriously. Funny. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun, though. A lot of fun and easy money. Like, what else can you do as a seventh grader to make some bones? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, what's the question for us? Left or right? Is there any, you know, like the, what's, what's I your I think thoughts? most people think of it as like handed, like are you left or right handed, yeah. which is not the intention. Yeah. Um, I, I think honestly it's more of just like a brain question. Like yeah. wh what do you first think of? Like impulse. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think I'll always go left because I'm left handed and, but. Yeah. I, I would know. probably go left too. I don't know. And are you right-handed? Le no, I'm left-handed. Oh, you left But like too? lefts, I don't know, the lefties are different. Everyone always, you know. Yeah. Unique. But see, you, you're thinking like handed. No, just like, yeah, well, left-handed people are yeah. unique, I yes. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real, wait, so Trent, are you a lefty? Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is the highest concentration of lefties I've ever Are you a been. lefty too? I am a lefty. You are? Yeah, no yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. God. Wow. That's why I was curious. That's why I was curious. I was, like, I was like, wait a second. Like, do they mean like left or right-handed? Or is it more just like, again, like a thought question? It is more of an impulse, like. Most people will answer it handed because on the spot, that's yeah. probably the first thing you think of. Yeah, it's like the dominant, like yeah. where you think about it most, most frequently. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was my question. I was That's always curious because I saw like people would sit on it and be like, oh, where do I go with this? Yeah. And I was like, what are you actually looking for behind that question? Yeah, there's, there's not much behind those questions. It's yeah. more just to like <laughs> get you fair. comfortable and get you yeah. rolling. Yeah. Do re me, right? Favorite drink, I think, is always a funny one because I mean it as an alcohol drink. Oh, interesting. Um, but some people don't drink, so they will say I don't drink or they'll say like a non-alcoholic drink. Um but then I kind of liked your direction with it because it came right after coffee. Yeah. Which is just random. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I feel like the structure, too, because it's like one of those things where it's like you think like, are my professional, my casual drink? Yeah. What am I doing? Like, am I doing a scotch? Like right. a 10 year old scotch right. or am I doing an espresso? <laughs> Miller Lite, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. like when you go to a business dinner and you don't know if you should order a beer or not. Yeah. So you wait for everybody else to order. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You take the cue from you're like, all right, who's the boss here? Yeah. Uh, he ordered a hard drink. Definitely uh, going hard. Yeah. Drink, you know, <laughs> that actually happened to me recently. We were in, um, a conference in Austin, Texas. Okay. And it was a conference for travel insurance associate. It was, it's called the United States travel insurance association and all the largest U S travel insurers and like service providers all come to Austin, Texas. Yeah. And there, that means there's about 120 people there in the whole industry, which is pretty wild. Right. And we are meeting with a, a client or a prospective client that we were just about to sign a deal with. And their CEO was attending and it was that same vibe where it's like, okay, we're at this really nice steakhouse. We're at this dinner. Am I going to go a beer? Is he going to go wine? Like what's going to be the move here? First order he has is in Manhattan. Oh, and wow. it's like, oh, dude, Coming this dude needs business. Like, it's going to be a night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, be probably be buzzed by the end of this dinner. Because, Damn. you know, if this is where he's starting, like dude. we're ending with another drink. You Manhattan know? is pretty much all alcohol, right? Yeah, bourbon. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah vermouth. Yeah. It's <sighs> like essentially like the bourbon or whiskey version of a, uh, what, martini? Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah. So. I feel like I've only ever ordered a Manhattan if I like... I'm just Im- immensely stressed and just want to like relax. <laughs> You're having your madman moment. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Oh, I need something to get me through this meeting. Yeah. yeah. Fancy with it. You know, yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 I thought yeah. I heard a cocktail shaker going around in your desk when you opened it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Mike has a problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, just uh, I'm just kidding. All right. We can, we can move forward. From there. Um, so I would, I'd be curious to hear Bradley, like tell us a little bit about growing up. Like where, where'd you grow up? What were you sure. into as a kid? And yeah. Besides yeah. fighting off soccer parents. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, those are some of my best that. stories. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Connecticut. Grew up in a town called Rocky Hill. Okay. Um, very like just suburban kind of middle class town. A lot of insurance folks. Like all our parents or all of my parents' friends worked in like some type of insurance business okay. or connected to Hartford in some way, but no one really lived there. Um, so it, it was a cool, a cool place to grow up. You know, it yeah. seemed like. Everyone, there was that sense of community there. There was, it was really strong Italian roots. Um, you know, we moved there when I was seven. So I kind of did most of my growing up there. Um, mm-hmm. But I was also like ready to leave. Like by the time I was like 18, I was That's like, all right, right, cool. I'm ready, to ready to go try here. something new. Yeah. You know, I've gotten the feels of what it's like to be somewhere and I want to be somewhere else, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and really plant down roots. And that's when I went to Bryant University. Okay. Um, and that's when I moved, made the move over to Rhode Island, started studying school there. Um, met some great people. That was like, I think really the time where not only like started figuring this thing out a little bit and figuring out what I wanted to do, but it really yeah. kind of gave me a sense of direction. Cause uh-huh. there was just so many inspiring people at Bryant that I think, yeah, you know, I think we see it, but we don't really talk about it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we see it cause we're especially in Rhode Island and you see Bryant people just pop out of the woodworks. You're just like right. talking to someone like, Oh, where'd you go to school? Oh, Bryant. Oh, of course you're a Bryant person. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so funny. like, and I feel like that's like starting to catch up a little bit. I think um, Brian's very underrated because there's so many schools in Providence and Brian's yeah. not in Providence. Right. Per se, yeah. But like, 
you know, it's a lot a, of pe- yeah, a lot of famous yeah. people, are like successful people, come out of that school. Oh yeah, yeah we're scrappy, man. Yeah. We're a scrappy, Bryant uh, alumni, and, and it's funny because we always get compared to like the Babson Bentley situation, mm, where I feel like Babson's like purely entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like almost entrepreneurship as a system. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting way to take it, and then you also have like Bryant, who's this weird mix of them, because mm. we get a lot of people who do accounting and do right, the really advanced finance degrees. Like, yeah, finance. You know, but there's also the groups like you know, Nick and I, and, and, you know, there's, uh, I could go through a list of entrepreneurs right now who are all from Bryant starting their own stuff and doing their own thing. Mm. And there's that scrappy nature there where it's like, Hey, it's not a system. It's just got something got to figure it out, yeah. you know? And they take that attitude really seriously and you see what they, you see the impact they have. Um, and their basketball team was pretty good last year too. Yeah. March well, Madness. let me tell you, sports <laughs> have never been our strong suit, but it looks like it's a changing temp for us. Right. So, uh, yeah, except we couldn't keep our act together on that court that day. Remember? No, it was he like was the, fighting everybody. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> the kid's <laughs> name, but yeah. uh, it was during the March Madness tournament. Uh, yeah. It was like, we were the first time, it was like one of the first times we had like a televised event, like on campus for basketball. Oh, and there's a huge yes, brawl. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely caught that. it. You definitely yeah. caught it. Cause everyone was so mad. Everyone's like, dude, of course, you know, That's like so funny. we get something nice. And this is what we do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So um, I'm curious. So coming from you were saying Connecticut and like your parents and mm-hmm. all their like friends and stuff were all in insurance. So yeah. getting into like entrepreneurship, like that that wasn't really, I guess, something that you got from your parents, was it? No, Being definitely in insurance not. Is not definitely a, not. No, my parents had kind of interesting occupations. I was like lucky enough to have my mom be a stay at home mom all the time as we were growing up. She didn't go back to work until we were like getting into high school. Um, and she does a lot of tax work and helps like a small tax office in town do some other things. So, which is great because when we were starting a business, like, it was invaluable to have really yeah. free tax advice. Um, just great. call mom and be like, hey, what's up? What do you do this for? Um, <laughs> she's like, hold on, I'm starting the timer right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, she's like, all right, well, I'm going to not charge you like a CPA, but I'll charge you like a tax consultant, you know? Yeah. Um, so that being was a really, mom, she's like, all right, for this, you owe me like six dinners. You got to come home exactly. and come visit. Oh, dude, last time we were there for her birthday, I was like, you know, she's, we were talking a little bit of business. You yeah. know how it goes. And I was like, you know what? And she's, I was like, we haven't really paid you anything. I was like, would love to cover like the, um, the dinner charge, like on the company. And, oh, that's awesome. and so it was like, it that's was cool, cool being able to do that. Yeah. You know, where it's like, incredible. we are talking taxes. We were talking about the future and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah. this is invaluable help and that's why cool. not? So, so yeah, so she was pretty cool to have around and have that base. Um, my dad was a salesman his whole life okay. for the most part, which is cool. But he always balanced that line of like, tech and business, but he never made the jump into like real product development. You know what I mean? Like he was always on the sales side of it. Um, and I like to describe my parents are always like one crisis away from like being broke. You know what I think? Cause I think we have this like myth in middle-class America where it's like, Oh, you're actually healthy and you're doing good. And you have that base when really it's like one bad thing happens. And all of a sudden you're like, what are we, we going to do? Number, you know, yeah, what's yeah. our options? What what can we go and tap into and what can we have to do? And I think that was what really pushed me at first to think about it differently. Because mm. I would say my parents have done everything right according to what you do. You know, sure. you, you go to school, you get a degree, you get a good job that you have like consistent and reliable work in. You know, they made the choice to be a, a single family income for, for their own reasons, which was yeah. great for us. But then it's like, okay, well, now what happens? You know, now what happens when something bad occurs and now you're like, crap, what do we do? And so that's where I was like, hey, there's gotta be a different way of doing this. Um, And I was lucky, I was 18 when I like first got really exposed to this idea of creating businesses and like how it can produce value. Um, And it was this startup based in Rocky Hill and they were trying to do something interesting. They were trying to build essentially like 
a regulatory force for the startup market yeah. because there's a lot of distrust that happens in our ecosystem, right? So investors are always trying to figure out, is this entrepreneur reliable? Are they actually gonna build this opportunity to the point that it protects my money? Yeah. Um, people who do work for the entrepreneur, they're gonna say, hey, can you actually pay me to do this if you're not bringing me on as an employee? Mm-hmm. And then the entrepreneur is battling all this education and these different challenges that come with starting and running a business. So it's like, how do you create kind of safety nets around this so that people can go into an ecosystem trusting that there's going to be as much effort as possible put into making sure this works. Like verifying people it, kind it, of. Exactly. Yeah. And that was like their model. They were like, okay, we'll like give entrepreneurs training and like basic financial etiquette. You know, we'll give entrepreneurs a mentor who's done it before. So that mm. way they can have like more consistent conversations about how to run a business, how yeah. to build a product. Right. And then someone even from the organization would partner with, partner with them to actually do project management. And that's kind of what my role was, is I was like the person helping these other entrepreneurs build their companies. And I learned very quickly why people stay away from startups. And it's mm. because you have nothing of anything. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's all very much like like blowing up your chest a little bit and being like, yeah, this is a great idea. We're going to do this. Like be our partner. This is the future. Da, 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 da. And then it's like, okay, but I can't pay you right now for this or how are we going to raise money or what do we have to do to make this work? And it was just tough because I think the critical error that was made in that startup is um, like, I think the management just got too big too quickly. Like it, I remember being like given a managing director title and like there was like 20 people in the company, but like no revenue coming in. So like all these people were like working on these projects, setting up systems, like doing complex paperwork chains to like manage and like, regulate what was going on but like no one was making a dollar you know what i mean and so it was at first it was just like position like oh like it's a startup you have to work like we have to get these things work for free yeah Yeah. you work for free but like i think well the key lesson i took away from that startup is you have to follow the money like you have to see a clear path of like how is this product going to generate value enough so people are taking out their wallets and giving you money for the service and i think that was really the missing link that you know, they just didn't work out for them. Well, it sounds like they gave it all away for free. So why would they pay? Well, and that was the thing. <laughs> I mean, the, the, they were, the real revenue they were trying to get is they were trying to sell these endorsements to like investors and like right, key service. Right, right. So they were trying to do that marketplace approach, but their like licenses were like a thousand bucks a year. And then it wasn't mm. easy too. like, I think this was also a good lesson in like how critical user experience is and asking really basic questions when you're building product. Because I would ask people like, cause I was the one talking with entrepreneurs and I'd be like, Let's manage this project. What do I do to go do this and add these notes or add this meeting or, hey, we got this really great call with this service provider. So where do I mark this? And I'd be like, where do I log in? And it's like, no one could give me like a straightforward answer. So no one's on the same page. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, okay, so if I'm an investor now and I just gave you a thousand dollars and you can't answer a basic question like, where do I sign up to access my account where I can see the opportunities that you promised me and which why I gave you the money to begin with. It's like, all right, man, guys, this castle's made of sand. You know what I mean? Like, let's figure out some real structure that can actually do something with this company. And at that point, I was just too young, too inexperienced. And you're, you know, you're an 18, 19 year old kid. So they're like, what the hell do you know? Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, how do you, so I mean, how did you kind of gain the experience to ask the the right questions like that? Yeah. Did you have anything beforehand that you were working on? No, that was like the first time. Like, I think at that point, the only other job I had was I was a valet. And so I was like literally working on a parking lot. And that was like the love of money was when that started because that was just quick cash. I mean, I would be like a a senior in high school making like 400 bucks a week and like just tips and working wages. So, and we'd go do side jobs at like concerts and manage parking lots. So you'd spend a Saturday 
at the concert or whatever the country thing was going on or the big rally and all you did was stand there with a cone and you were getting paid 15 bucks an hour it's like what's better than that as a senior in high school you know yeah. what i mean or when you're that age you're watching the clock like oh just made a couple dollars yeah, yeah. exactly i'm like all right well that's 30 for the day so yeah. far you know what i mean so um so yeah so that was cool but then it was like okay cool but now i also like really quickly had that concept of trading your time for money yeah and like what does that look like and it's like okay well so if i stand here for 60 minutes doing nothing i'm worth 15 bucks an hour and it's like okay but i have to watch that clock go from 59 to 60 to get my piece still and so i was looking for ways like okay understand the formula but like how can we like scale it how can we like make this work more for us and make this more efficient so it sounds like you're just an analytical person to begin with yeah yeah processes and all that stuff for sure i think i was always like chasing like different ideas or like curiosities like i was never the kid to like go super deep on anything right away unless i was like really fascinated by it Mm. you know what i mean and so if i didn't like math i'd be like whatever you know like i'm not gonna study you know i had pre-calc and it was like this is a nightmare. I'm never going to use oh this God, numbers. But like, then you get into stats and you're like, Oh, like <laughs> behavioral, like mathematics. That's interesting. You know? Okay, cool. Now I can compete. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, so I think it was like just a lot of that, having that kind of thought process throughout my youth and then like just refining it yeah. as I got exposed to people who did it better and better. Um, and that's really why I was like jumping. Like I actually, my senior year in college, um, I was part of a fraternity called Sigma Chi. Um, and, they gave me my senior year award for the most likely the fall victim to uh, like a Ponzi scheme <laughs> because oh, I was man. always like trying something. I was always like, That's Oh funny. dude, I'm gonna make money doing this. I'm gonna make money doing that. And it was yeah. like, just like on the backs of other people trying to start things and help them build it. Yeah. And then for one reason or another outside of my control, it just like collapsed. And it's just like, Oh God, another letdown, you know, another failure. So you didn't um, sell verve, did you? No, no, Thank I did God. not. I, I skipped that meeting one in the of, dorm hall. Yeah, that's good. One of my uh, roommates tried that, and we ended up just drinking all the verve on them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what is it? It's like a, it wasn't like an, it wasn't an energy drink. or kind just like, of. Something just like, like that. a drink, and they'd give you, you pay X amount of dollars, and it was just a pyramid scheme to like, you're yeah. supposed to go out and sell them, yeah. and then you go and get more, and you build yeah. up your network, and you get have people yeah. that get you to sell, sell it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. yeah, yeah but when he we made fun of him so bad when he finally just gave up. We're like, all right, yeah. we're just going to drink yeah, them. They're coming back there. I don't know if anyone's seen the um, show, like the murderers in the building recently, but they have the same thing with the milk. And yeah. And they're like, oh dude, like, oh, what are we going to do with all this milk? We got to keep buying it. Like we got orders keep coming in. It's like, drink it, drink it. Do you remember what the name of the milk is? It's like something weird. <sighs> yeah. It's What's like the a, name it, of the show? It's called only murders in the building. It's got like oh, Selena Gomez, Steve Martin. It's a, Martin, there's a Martin third famous so yeah martin swayze no. no i don't know martin short martin short yeah it's funny it's a good show and they're short too so they're yeah there. but um yeah so it, that, i remember that scene because i remember there was another kid on my floor freshman year who was also entrepreneurial but like in a different way like um i was just reading an essay um that paul graham wrote about like independent thinkers versus like conventional thinkers and this guy was more, I think, your conventional thinker. Mm-hmm. And he saw the structure of that. And he was like, oh, this is great. I can just go recruit people and like, I'll make so much money. And so he looked at me, he's like, hey, you're kind of entrepreneurial. Like, you want to come to this meeting? And I was like, oh, no, dude, like, I, I, I get it. Like, I've heard about this. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested. And he's like, no, why? He's like, you could make really good money. Like, could you imagine being a freshman making like five grand a week? I was like, there's not that many people on this campus. <laughs> like, you're talking like maybe one, two people. If they're good and the product's good, you might be successful. But right, like, right. you know, that's going to scale out quick. Um, was it? 
gut milk. That's what it is. Oh, I was like, yeah. it's kind of it was weirdly disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. So. So at Brian, like, what did you major in? What was your? So I definitely got my money's worth. I finished three <laughs> concentrations before I graduated. Oh hell Jesus yeah! Christ yeah, I did. It was kind of I kind of took advantage of a loophole in the system because Good. when I signed up for, well, they're taking advantage of you to begin with. <laughs> so yeah, do what you gotta oh, do. that was yeah. a thing. That's yeah. what, I mean, I did have to do the work. Like it wasn't like it was easy, but right. it was still like because technically there was like three levels to degrees you could get. It was like the minors it was concentrations and then there's majors, yeah. but they count like majors and concentrations at the same level if you oh, have multiple of them. Oh. But like the actual level of credits for each major was a little different. So if I was gonna be like a tax or like an accounting major, there would be probably more specific curriculum I'd have to cover. Um, but what I did is I did entrepreneurship and the way nice. it was kind of presented in the program is we make all entrepreneurs like double major in something. Oh. So that way it's not just like you're studying entrepreneurship, but you're studying entrepreneurship and a specialty. So you could do like, which is good because yeah. there's so many aspects. Like we always talk about there's, there's so many aspects to running a business that I feel like getting that training or education, like, yeah is only going to help you either find out what you like or don't like sure. or refine a skill. Yeah. And it helps with the uh, dinner table conversation. Grandma says, what do you major in? And you say entrepreneurship. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you? And you're like, also you? accounting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, technically I'm majoring in entrepreneurship and finance. You know what I mean? So but, that way you could like. So you did finance too. Did finance. Yeah. And then I also did analytics, That's which was great. a lot of fun. Um, so that, and that was cool because. Um, finance was just like a basic finance thing. Learned a little bit about money and some of the courses that happened with it. But um, the analytics was cool because it was kind of a program that was just starting at Bryant. They have a more developed program now that's, I think, more computer technology, you know, focused. Um, yeah. Where we just got introduced to programming. So we were doing like SQL work. We were starting mm. to get like access to languages like Java and Python and doing more of like the database structure and coding. Yeah. But it was a cool education because I think it really allowed me to understand and see the back end of how most systems work because most technology is really just like a data rotation. So it's like, how, how, where does that data fit? How can you pull it? How can you push it? You know, mm. where does it all fall? How is it built? What are the questions that database developers are asking themselves when they're building or trying to analyze this data? So it was pretty cool. And they had one professor there. Um, his name was Rick, rich something, Dr. Something. Um, I'll have to look him up, but he was um, really good. Like he was the kind of guy where it would be more of a programmer class where he'd be like, all right, cool. I need you to pull this out of this database. You have five minutes go. Mm. And it would just be like, Figure it out. you know, like yeah. just go do it. Where everyone else was, I think more theoretical where they'd be yeah. like, okay, so this is how we think of, but he was just like, no, Hands like, on. you guys, if you guys are serious about being like a database programmer or like working in the space, you need to know how to code. Mm. And so he just like made sure that everyone was kind of getting that exposure as rapidly as possible. Yeah. So I, that was on cool. a little side note there, sure. just like mentioning code, how important do you think it is for like, they always say it's like a whole new language now because yeah. that's how everything's built. Like, yeah. do you see that like growing more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, it's necessary. I think if you're serious about product, you need to, um, because I think it will make you more effective and efficient talking with the people who are building these things because we have a programmer who's based out of the Philippines and oh. you know, English is a second language. And it's always interesting to me hearing how he speaks because he speaks very much like a programmer when he talks about mm. things, you know, like you can almost see how he strings variables together in his sentences where he says, Hey, for this specific feature, do you want it doing this kind of logic or this kind of logic or, and he'll kind of explain it out in kind of like a weird broken language. 
And if you don't know that then, and you don't know kind of what he's referring to or the architecture and how it's set up, then you can't make a good decision on what feature you need to build or how oh, you need to handle right. building that feature um, going forward. So I definitely think it's worthwhile to study it and get an education. But, and I think Nick made this point too, there are going to be people who are better at coding than me at this point. You know, like I'm not going to be the person right. who's building products start to finish and in there every day. But if I can at least help guide the roadmap a little bit, knowing what our system currently does and how it does it, yeah. then that just makes me more effective with customers and managing expectations too, because then I can say, Hey, if they come through with a feature proposal, I can kind of assess more quickly. Hey, is that going to be a, a monkey wrench in our plan or does that fit into yeah, kind of the yeah. current product see, road now? Yeah. Makes you know sense. what I mean? You don't, so, need, you don't need to be the best coder or programmer. No, you need to be no, the best at no. like running the business yeah. and knowing the decisions yeah, to make. Exactly. You just need to understand Keep the map. Going. That's what it really is. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that'd be my recommendation for anyone who's thinking about it. It's interesting that um, I always find like the more like we were just talking about when we walked in, like you're like the talker and you go and like sell and mm -hmm. Mike's like, I don't really go to the event. Like you're the, you're the front man. Like <laughs> yeah. you're the face of it. It's like funny that you, you, you seem very like analytical and data driven, even mm -hmm. though you are like more of the extroverted and um, both can be true. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm way less data and like yeah. numbers and. Well, I think it's just a more more out like knowing what you're good at right? yeah, and oh like yeah, for playing sure. to your strengths. Um, because it's interesting because within our company right now, we kind of have to share that product role a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like my co-founder, she manages, I'll say like a, not a legacy part of our, our product or our book of business, but she does a lot of work with our colleges and universities hands-on. Like she's their account manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I might've talked to them at some point, but she's the one managing that relationship. She's the one building them product or doing mm. those things. Yep. So she has like their perspective and user perspective as they're doing it. That's good. I manage a lot of our, our like partnerships or like our corporate connect, our corporate strategy that we do. So we work with a lot of insurance companies. We work with like employee assistant programs, like broker service. We're starting to work with, um, third-party admin systems with an insurance too. Mm -hmm. So, and those projects are a little bit more technical because it's not as cut as for cut and dry in terms of getting the product to them. Sure. So it kind of takes that balance of, Hey, we need to have someone who can understand more of the technical elements to walk through this process with this type of product. But we also need someone who knows the other user who might not need all the technical walkthroughs, but still is just sure. as important to understanding yeah. our platform. Um, so it's kind of been just because of our natural pairing, it's been something that I've been able to continue to build on and yeah. like lean into, um, where, you know, if I was just being the sales force for somebody, then it probably would just be talking more marketing and branding yeah. and, and those types of things. Yeah. So I always, I always find it interesting to hear like the balance of how, when people have business partners, cause I know people who are like solo owners and, um, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like it's really helpful having a business partner. For sure, it's, I was like, good uh, luck to those guys. Yeah, like, <laughs> even tough. just as simple as bouncing ideas back and yeah, forth. Yeah, sure. like if you're for by sure. yourself, you're just going crazy in your own head. It's yeah, like having decisions, someone, yeah. like ideas and decisions. Like, yeah. yes, like he'll come in and Michael will come in and be like, "Hey, I have this like really cool idea," and then. I might be like, oh, what if we like tweak it a little bit to yeah. make it this way? Or if I'll, like, I'll say the same thing and he'll be like, oh, we could do this. And and even just decisions of like what to do with a customer or what to do with the team or. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, and it's, like it's interesting too, because like 
people think differently too. Oh yeah. So it's like having that alternative perspective where it's also less pressure on you, I think, yeah. because 100%. I think so much of our job is just making good decisions. Oh yeah. And it's like, if you don't have someone, cause we even, we are part of the, um, Rhode Island, the RI hub VMS yeah. program. Okay. And we found that like hugely valuable because one of the things that we lack on our team is we were employees going transitioning to founders, mm. right? So Ali and I might've had, like I've had experience with other startups, but every one of them has failed so far, yeah. you know what I mean? And I haven't been like the primary founder or the driver in every one of those businesses, right. but still to say that I've seen a successful model mm. is something, is a chapter I've yet to really read and experience, so yeah. to speak. Um, so it's like having those alternative perspectives, both with my co-founder Ali, but also now with our mentors who have that business experience and have that success, yeah. um, is so important because yeah. you're saying things where you're like, Oh, like oh, I'm shit today. Like I'm making bad decisions. I'm not going right. to work. I need to get done, done. I'm having a hard time prioritizing. And then you talk to them and they're like, do you realize how like hard what you're doing is, yeah. you know, like, like, yes, you need to like be honest with yourself, but like also how can you like make some adjustments here to yeah. also know that you're supported and that you're actually right. making steady progress and know? like chill out. It's one day. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Tomorrow's you're, a new day. Like don't you had like a bad half hour. Like, yeah, relax. exactly. You know I mean? right. like, yeah. No, exactly. So, um, yeah. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about like what, what is Aragami? Like give sure. us a quick little. Yeah. Overview. So Aragami is pretty cool. It's a, um, so we're a no code platform and our product can essentially turn any PDF into uh, a web app or a mobile application. Okay. So it's essentially our differentiator from other no-code platforms is we're taking advantage of a language and product people already understand to populate kind of our designs and our like our product. Because okay. if you go to another no-code platform, right, like Wix, right, you build your websites on Wix. Right, yeah, you shake your head because it sucks. It yeah, still is not yeah, fun. Like no. you still need a technical background. You still need to have the time and the resources to invest in building that product. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't get any easier with things like mobile apps, you know, or mobile experiences, I like to call them, because right. uh, we're kind of getting to a point with the technology in general where the mobile channel is one thing, but the technologies that you access that channel are kind of splitting out a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. you have your traditional mobile apps that you can use with like Android or Google, I mean, not Google, um, like the Play Store, but also like the App Store, right? Yeah. But now you're seeing this new technology pop up called like progressive web apps, where they can have certain features of mobile apps, but they're not something you have to go to the App Store to download and visit. Right. But there's limitations because Apple, like all thing, like Apple does, is because they don't have complete control over it yet. <laughs> they don't allow it on their phones as much. Right. You know what I mean? So there's no one that's really come out there besides some real uh, hard coders who can build those projects individually that have been able to give those features to that kind of um, that kind of platform. But we can. So, and we can do it again, using something people understand PDFs. Right. It's like, you guys have been in Canva before, right? Right, right? So you could literally go onto Canva, design something like you would want to look on a website or like I said, a mobile application that you want your users to access, download that PDF, upload it into Aerogami's platform. And now you have a QR code to web link that anyone can share and download right onto their phone access and all the rest of it. So, wow. um, so yeah, we're kind of trying yeah. to be the easier bridge. You know? Yeah, because even just the idea of any of like any no code like Wix or like Squarespace or yeah, just the idea of like going to like build like a simple page is so overwhelming and it's not just, simple at all. No, yeah, no. like they try to make it so simple, and I get it. Like 
Yeah. But it's just the idea that is like, oh my God, I would rather like stick a fork in my eye. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I have website work still sitting on my to-do list that yeah. I have to go do. You know what I mean? And well, it's uh, like, it's not as, they say it's simple, but it's not simple at all. Yeah. Like you, sometimes the columns aren't lining up, you know, you can yeah. only do a certain amount of things here. Yeah. And it sounds like, the, like your platform, you just design it how you want it and yeah. then you send it in and that's it, it works yeah. yeah well and what's crazy too is like then there's like all the formatting and testing and yeah oh like if you want to do it something even remotely complex like a form like oh, i know wix gosh. makes it as easy as possible but like keep in mind our customer base right like we're scrappy fellows here right like we can go like if we really needed to we can go and build a website right now right if we really needed to we could go onto bubble and spend the six hours to figure out something if it was worth it in our mind to go do it we would do it right but the people we talk to are you know, managers or customer experience people or VPs at full large enterprise offices. They don't have the flexibility and yeah. agility to be like, hey man, you're a marketing person, go build us a mobile experience for our customers. Right, you know, right. cause then it's like, well, oh, and do it for free or do it like yeah. however you can as best as possible. And it's like, well, I'm a marketing or customer experience person. I don't know how to code. And like right. everyone I talk to is charging me, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to build this project. And I don't have that kind of budget for an experiment. Right. So it's like, how do we make it easier for those types of people to still generate these types of experiences and take advantage of the channel, which is right. the mobile phone? Mm. And how do we make that as easy as possible for them? Where, so are you the original founders? Is you and yes. your partner, like you guys started it? It's an interesting story. So we're a pandemic startup. We were working for this company. We both graduated from college, both started working for this other um, startup called Keynect Up. Okay. And they were building an interesting product where they were designing V cards, like custom contact cards that could fit into any device. That was their shtick. Uh. Is like you could click one link, our system would read what kind of phone you had and would match that information perfectly for your device. Huh. So that way you couldn't just share just like home and work numbers necessarily, but you could give everything custom labels. You could share a headshot. You could share wow. website links. You know, it was kind of like, you know, Bubble does their thing. They put it on, yeah, yeah they, you share with someone. It was kind of like that, but for your contacts app. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. So, um, yep, yep, and yep. they were selling it at an enterprise level. So they were targeting risk managers specifically. Um, they really got uh, a business going in colleges and universities because they have the problem of trying to get like safety information to students. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like Title IX, study abroad, you know, something happens and you're like, oh shit, I need to call someone. Who do I call? Sure. And they were kind of the product that says, hey, you want your, stones that, your students to have you on your phone, give them a contact card. Um, and so we were in that business for, it's probably like three years or so. One of the things I realized about the space was it was so, there were so many more players behind the product than you would think from the consumer's perspective. Because let's say you go to, um, Geico, right? And you buy travel. Um, I guess they might not be a good travel example, but let's just go with Geico. And you uh, bought their insurance policy for your upcoming trip. Yeah. And all suddenly you slipped going into the pool because you had one too many Manhattans. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now you're like, oh Classic. shit, I got a broken ankle. Like, what oh, am I yeah. going to do? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got an insurance policy. This is great. I'll call them and I'll let them know my problem. So you're thinking you're calling like Geico to come solve your problem. But what you're really doing is having that phone call routed to another service provider that they've contracted with right. to actually come and assist you and have the resources to assist you. And then there's like a whole bunch of other vendors who will fill in based on yeah. the specific need. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like Geico is just doing the underwriting. Like right. that's where you always hear about underwriters and in insurance. They're the ones who are actually behind the calculator saying, hey, you have a $2,500 trip this is where you're going, this is your risk, and this is what your premium is going to be. Yeah. But as soon as they bind that policy, 
they have their tentacles out everywhere else to bring right. in other players to actually provide the service. That's like, um, I literally just experienced a similar situation where like your insurance that comes with your credit card for mm -hmm. like purchases and all that yeah. kind of shit. We, my cell phone got stolen back in December yeah. and we actually pay for it on our company credit card. And yeah. so I just figured I was a shit out of luck and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, my phone got stolen. So I bought a new phone and whatever. And like two months later, one of my family members was like, oh, like, why didn't you check with your credit card insurance? I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? Absolutely. Like a lot of credit cards have like an insurance. Yeah. If you purchase it with the credit card. Yeah. So I looked at like our cell phone, uh, I mean, our uh, credit card like statements and stuff. And sure enough, we have cell phone protection. Yeah. And so like I go and I call Chase and they're like, oh, here's the number you got to call. Yeah. And it's not Chase that is doing the insurance. It's this company called like Card Benefit Services or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so that's exactly what you're saying. Like you're exactly. not calling Geico, you're calling yeah. whoever they contracted out. I actually know people who are like responsible for putting those products together. And it's like, it's, it's exactly it. Because every time you make that phone call, it's like a benefit that the card company is giving that holder. Right. So it's a way to help get more members on board. Right. Because essentially that like, they're like, we can't really differentiate ourselves too much. But like having, having a product like that makes it really useful. Right. Um, so anyway, so that company was like just weird. It was just like in a zombie state. We weren't really growing. We weren't really losing money. It was all self-funded. We were really lucky to have a founding team that had like previous success building and selling companies. Yeah. Um, I think it was just difficult. I think the moment was just wrong for it, honestly. Sure. Um, I think the technology fit a weird gap, but didn't do enough to really spill over. Sure. You know what I mean? So a handful of people you could convince it was a good product, but to really get it to scale, I just, it just wasn't getting the legs there. And so then the pandemic happened and they were working on this new tech, which is the platform I just told you guys about. Well, not that platform, not fully developed, but it was like an idea. And they're like, yeah. we kind of have this weird PDF viewer thing. You know, we haven't really, no customers used it. We haven't really developed it at all. But like, I don't know, it might be interesting. And so then it becomes a decision, right? As a startup, like, what do you invest in? Do you keep sure. pushing with the old product? Do you invest in the new one? What do you do? And unfortunately, then just COVID happened. And it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of trying to see if we could survive it, um, you know, see if we can make it happen. But again, being self-funded and not really having a huge amount of revenue, you know, I think a lot of the founders just read the writing on the wall saying it's going to be wow. hard. We're going to lose more money. We've already sunk so much money into this. Yeah. Um, so like maybe it's just best to let, let it go and just wow. like, hey, we tried, yeah. put a valiant effort in. And that's the part that a lot of people don't talk about in this business is like there are real stakes. You can make mistakes and you uh, you can lose your business. You right. know what I mean? Um, and it's a real thing. So. Then we, my Ali and myself at that point, um, we were kind of running day-to-day -day operations. Truthfully, we were like the only two employees at that point besides like the management team and the investors. So we were like the ones doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the yeah. business at that point, um, which was like a decision made by the team. Like they saw our work effort and they saw how much we cared about it. So they kind of gave us the, the rope to run with it. And so we get this phone call in April and it's like, sorry, like we're going to have to let you guys go. Like we're not uh, going to, we're not going to continue on. Um, yeah. And so, Hey, like, you know, uh, we're happy to give you a reference. And the, one of the co-founders had another startup that he was managing that had, was having the opposite problem. They were being successful and growing. So he was kind of hedging his bet in a way, which is, yeah. you know, smart thing to do. And so he was like, Hey, listen, I'm a CTO over here. I'm focusing on this business. And he had been for years. So he was like, if you guys want, I would love to have you over as at, at, on that team. And 
don't know. It was just one of those things where I was like, what to do? Like what yeah. to do, you know? And we had contracts like, or like I had customer, like it's like a professional thing too. Cause at right. that point I'm the one talking with clients and partners and being like, oh yeah, we can build that. And oh, this is really exciting. We got this going on. And I just, I was like, looked at it. I was like, well, what are you guys going to do with this business? You know, like, what are you going to do with it? You're just going to like, just put it in let a box go, and put it on right. a shelf somewhere. Like yeah. I don't get it. And, and they're like, yeah, we're probably just going to like, let it go. Like just not do anything with it. Was this before you had any idea of going on your own or was it? Yeah, free? it was, it was before. And then it was kind of a discussion where it's like, well, do you guys want to take a shot at it? Like, do you got, why don't oh, you guys shit. buy it from us? Yeah. And we were like, okay, like, yeah, I was like, it was funny. Cause I was, we were in Boston at the time and I was on the phone with like my co-founder with Allie at that point. And I was like, I don't know, do you want to do it? Like, this is a huge jump. Like, this will be, like, we have to come up with a deal. Like, we got to, like, figure out, like, do a whole negotiation for this. Like, then it's all going to be on us. Like, there's going to be no backstop. Like, this is this right. is ours, you know? And she was like, yeah, you know what, Bradley? Game. I'm honestly game. Like, we work really well together. We know this business. Like, we know our customers. We know where, where this could go. Like, let's just take a chance see what happens. Yeah. And so that was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then I hung up the phone and my fiance, or then girlfriend at the time, now fiance, was like, would you just say yes to, you know? And I was like, uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I got some work to do, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so then over, so that was a phone call in April. And then for like the next two months, it was just a negotiation with them. Um, they knew we didn't have any money and, you know, so, and they didn't want to put us in a position to have to go raise money. I, right. we were very lucky. I can't emphasize this enough that we were given the chance by these previous founders and investors to really jump on this and in, in the way that we did, um, because they really believed in us and like they, they still believe us going forward. They still own a minority part of the business. That sure. was kind of the deal going forward. Yeah. Um, was that, Hey, give us some ownership. We'll add in a couple things to sweeten the pot for you guys. So, um, that way you don't have to go raise a bunch of money and you know, we're not trying to waste the opportunity that you guys could be just right. focusing and working on this instead right. of like going back and forth with us, trying to figure out if you can afford whatever arbitrary number we put on this thing, right. because you know, how much can you really buy a failing business for at the beginning of a pandemic? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. How much, sorry, not to get you off, but how yeah. much does that play into the buying of the company? You're like, you know, if they said it was two weeks and this, then this thing was going to be over. And the next yeah. thing you know, you know, it's like a month, two months. Mm, yeah. Like what was running through your head while that, um, yeah. I was kind of like, we just, I, I kept running, like we can make it work. You know what I mean? Like staying positive. I was just saying like, we yeah. can make it work. Like, Hey, it's cause again, like now it, I think if it was a different type of deal put in front of us, I think I might've had more hesitation, but because they were truthfully being like, Hey, buy it fair and square, like no strings attached. Yeah. No, like they literally own like a non-voting stake in us. Like that's how much they just oh, believe man. in us letting us do our thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think if it came in a way where it's like, Hey, but you have to keep the same structure and you can't change the brand and you know, all those, they weren't giving you all these rules exactly. and like, it wasn't like they were trying to screw you over. Exactly. And at no. the same time, the product's digital. It's not, you don't have exactly. to be face to face to use it. So exactly. it's kind of beats COVID, you know, COVID in one way. Right. Well, now it was like the next thing was like, Hey, do we want to start looking at other ways we can use this? You know what right. I mean? Like, cause we were so focused on closing that unicorn deal where it's like, Oh great. We're going to close this big deal with this big insurance company and make $200,000. You know what right. I mean? Like, and that just didn't come. Um, and so it was just like one of those things like, Hey, maybe we could use this somewhere else. But even then I was like, I don't know. The only play I had in my mind at that point was I was like, what we could do is we could turn this into a consumer product, go direct to consumer, make it a business card replacement tool, 
maybe you go find some strategic partners with someone like a Staples or a Canva or someone who's not really in the business card game who might want to offer a more digital solution. Right. And maybe that can be the way we can save it. You know what I mean? Because COVID, no one's trading paper anymore. Like right. what about a digital business card? And oh, maybe we partner with a couple CRMs. So then we had some features where we could do follow-up messages and capture some info before they download your card. So could we position this as a sales tool? And you know, like these yeah. are the ideas you're thinking about, like, how can I make money with, I got this thing now, you know, like what am I gonna do with it? Yeah. And that was really the only idea ha I had at that point. But then this new product was there and it kind of was the answer to all the objections all our other clients had or all the deals that didn't go through had with our current product because you know you couldn't customize it enough you couldn't make it a dynamic experience oh it just goes in your contact cards can you you know send an update to it if you wanted to no you can't because once they have the contact card right. it's theirs like we don't have no real direct tie to their phone anymore and then it's like well can you pull analytics of how people are calling us or are they emailing us are they using the product no sorry we can't do that either and it's like hmm. all these no's 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 and with this product, it was like, oh, yeah, we can send updates to everyone in the world in 15 seconds. That's awesome. Great. Wow. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. What else can it do? Oh, we can record analytics now. So we can tell what phone numbers people are choosing and calling on your yeah. card or on your product now. Even if someone just scans a QR code and doesn't save it to their home screen, they still get the preview of all that content. Right. So there was just like some fundamental differences that this new product had that we said, hey, wait a second let's really double down and invest in this. And yeah. that's what we've ultimately bought the company on is this product now. Um, cool. But it's got some real cool use cases and we're really excited to kind of keep exploring what it can do. Yeah. Um, Are so. you guys focused on the more enterprise side as well? Or is it whoever yeah. wants to, you know, take it can grab it? Yeah, anyone can come by in a license right now. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're trying to be targeted because it's like twofold, right? Because building a direct-to-consumer product comes with its own headaches, right, right? right? Like you have to have the support one of the challenges we've had that we've recently started kind of exploring is even though we tell someone like, hey, go build this in Canva and upload it to our system, we'll talk to companies and they'll say, well, like, how do I build this PDF? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, oh, I know what you're talking about, but like taking those ideas and converting it into a PDF builder is still something I can't really Even just see. designing yeah. it to make it look good. Exactly. Yeah. As simple as that. Exactly. And that was the thing. And so like, I've literally had a customer recently where I'm like literally giving them a Canva tutorial because I'm huh. like, they're using some old Adobe and they're like, oh, to embed a link on that plat platform is like a huge pain in the ass. I'm like, okay, so not only are like all your digital experience pieces kind of outdated, but like also your PDF builders out, like, come on guys, <laughs> right. like, this is why we exist. You know what I mean? Like, that's come funny. on. So, and I think that's what people forget too, because we've had, like, you guys get it. Like when you pitch your business, people always will come and say like, oh, can't people just do it like this? Can't people just record their own content? Like <laughs> any, you know, cousin with a camera can do what you guys do, right? Of course they can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, well, or not, it'll be good is a different story. <laughs> right. Um, and so we kind of got that pushback at first too, where they're like, where people would say like, oh, anyone can go build a website. You know, anyone can go like create this experience themselves. Like again, yeah, if they have the, the 60 hours and, a yeah, month to, to dedicate to, to it, sure. It, yeah. But when you look at that, also from a scrappy entrepreneur to an enterprise, like it's kind of like that saying about common sense where it's like 10 years behind the curve. Enterprises are the same way with their technology. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even though you might think that, oh, we have all this great cutting edge tech, like there's no code movement that's happening right now. It's like, oh, no code is gonna change the world because any marketing professional can go and log on and drop some tiles and make an app work. And it's like, 
they could, but they're not. Right. Because again, it's you're still kind of perpetuating the same problem of there's an education gap of how I create these experiences and what do I do with them. And that's the real problem for these enterprises is they can't move fast enough and fill in that gap quick enough or the methods available to them are just too expensive because mm-hmm. they either have to hire someone who has that special skill set, which did anyone know there's a hiring problem right now? Because I don't think anyone's <laughs> talked about it. Yeah, right. Um, but then also like, hey, what you know, what's now we have to go find a service provider. And if I want to go hire a custom app builder projects, hundred grand, uh, hundred grand just yeah. to get started. And that's yeah. going to be six months, eight months. And that might not yep. even be exactly what you're looking for. Exactly. It might not even work in the end too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, newsflash, most people aren't downloading apps anymore. True. So it's like, you could spend all this time building this product, put in the app store and crickets, nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of our partners are seeing right now. Cause they're insurance companies, right? Like, right. When's the last time you download an insurance app? You know, oh my we, God, it's a, like going, same going back to like wanting to build a website when I have to go to like, look at my Geico app, like, oh God, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> You're like what a nightmare. Yeah. You know? like, it sucks. The only one I downloaded was like lemonade because like you had hmm. to as part of the purchasing, but even then ask me the last time I've been in it, ask me how good of a customer I am, like expanding my services yeah. with them. I'm not like, I love going to my Geico app. Oh man, it's my favorite part of the day. Yeah. And guess what? Like if all suddenly my app fills up my phone and like, as long as my bank keeps renewing the policy and like nothing changes, guess what? That's gonna be one of my first apps I delete. Yeah. And so, and that's not just insurance. That's everybody. Like when you look at the trends and I think a lot of people get caught on this like sugar rush of people are spending more time on mobile apps than ever. But when you look at the data of like categorically what those apps are, most of them are entertainment and games. TikTok, yep. TikTok, Instagram, like social media. So yeah. it's like, okay, unless you're Facebook or Google, guess yeah. what? No one's spending any time on your app or they might not even be downloading it. Right. So it's like, again, could you spend $100,000 building an app or you could spend you know, 10 to 20 grand with us actually get an experience that's gonna scale. Right. And guess what? We can now do all the same fun things that you would get out of that app, mm. but now for half the cost, half the complexity and you know, just overall better experience. And the support and you know it's gonna work. Exactly, so. exactly. So, um, so it's yeah. a cool yeah. concept, really. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. different. Yeah. I was looking at your website and I was like, I kinda thought I understood it, but like yeah. having you explain it, I was like, yeah. wow, that's really fucking cool. That's another problem I'm working on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. And yeah. so, uh, so it's yourself and your business partner. Do you guys have a team? Yes. Yeah, so we have, we have a developer in the Philippines, nice. Ray. He's the man. Um, and then like, yeah, it's really just the three of us day to day full time. And then we have like, we've contracted a couple like service people to help out, As you know, you yeah, yeah. and like, you know, just the freelancers or people who come do occasional projects for us. That's cool. Um, so, but it's been, it's been a pretty motley crew right now. I mean, That's we're nice. kind of getting to that point though, where it's like, okay, we can keep doing this, but like, we need to start adding some layers. Sure. You know what I mean, like we're at that point in the business where it's like, okay, we have some really good data. We have a platform that works. We have several ideas and customers that this thing could scale in. Why don't let's like start putting a team together and start right. kind of going that next level. Um, yeah. So we're like getting things ready right now for like fundraising and like raising a pre-seed Sweet. round and like doing you. those things. Yeah. Um, and it's exciting. Cause like, one of the things I love about our story is like, we're still in the middle part of it. You yeah. know what I mean? We're still very much at early stages and like still working on it. Um, but it's exciting though too. It's yeah. like, all right, cool. We're gonna take a real chance on this and it makes sense. And yeah. we're lucky to have some people believe in us that, yeah, this is a, a gap in the market right now. And this is an area that you guys could cover really well. That's dope. So where's, uh, where's the office located? Or are you guys working from home? Full remote, baby. Full remote. Come on, COVID. Yeah. COVID. Yeah, COVID. Why, why waste money on office? I mean, no, 
Right, like, believe me. Let's yeah. close this place down. <laughs> no, I'm ready to no. go home. I mean, there is something to be said, like I, like the earlier answer of like splitting office time 50-50. There yeah. is something about being in person. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. just like the it's way nice. you talk about things, have discussions. Collaboration. Like, collaboration. And, and like, instant feedback. Yeah. And yeah. as you like grow, like you said, you guys are starting to think about like adding and actually having a team. Like mm-hmm. once you get a team, it, I feel like it's almost like night and day. Because yeah. I think... Back when it was just Mike and I, we had an office when it was just him and I, mm-hmm. um, but I would the size of this room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would say like back then way more times we would like maybe text each other and be like, Hey, I might just work at home today. Yeah. yeah me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas like ever since we've now had a team, I, I could probably count the amount of times I've worked yeah. from home in over a year. Yeah. Well, I think the flexibility is important, right? Like, cause yeah. I mean, we used to have, like for the old company, we used to have an office in Wellesley and mm-hmm. I lived in Providence at the time. So I used to oh, commute up a, to Wellesley, yeah, which was, I mean, it wasn't too bad because I would hop off the exit right before like real Boston traffic started, sure. but it was still like an hour 15 yeah. hour 30 on the way home. Once I got on the highway again. Yep. Um, but like, it was cool having, but like, we, they were pretty flexible about like, Hey, if there was a snowstorm or something crazy and they're like, right. Hey, listen, you're driving and I get it. But there, I think there's a cultural element to office attendance that people don't always talk about. Yeah. And I think that's really the part that people are like rebelling against right now in this work from home, like fight mm. that's going on. It's like, no, I'm used to doing some chores during my day instead of everything after five. Yeah. Why yeah. does that have to that's cease to point. exist? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where it's just like, Hey, come in. Hey, I would love to come in the office at like 10 o'clock, but like before 10 o'clock, if I have to do something, I'll do it at home. You yeah. know what I mean? As long as, you know, you get the work done. That's the important part. Right. Yeah, that's the big thing. The distractions sometimes go yeah. a little too. I can play one more game of Madden. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there has to be a limit. Cause like other times, like <laughs> I'll see it a little bit like two o'clock. I'm like, God damn it. Like I could get out of this. All. Like, I need to go do something different. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or even just, yeah. Like you're saying, like, say you're working for a while. It's like just to get up and go walk outside, exactly. take a quick walk around the block and exactly. come back. Your head's fresh. You're refreshed, ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Or hop back in an office. You right, know what I mean, right. like go back, yeah. go bounce. Cause I'm sure you guys have, well, you probably have offices at home that you guys would yeah. work out. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but even when I'm here, like I got a problem where like, I won't even eat lunch. Like I'll just yeah, sit in like yeah. the office yeah. and do it. Like I just get True. too like locked in. Yeah. Where it's like, I got to tell myself like, all right, go sit down for a second with the team. <laughs> yeah, and, like relax. Go get your blood sugar a little higher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I find it. Ch- I find, it challenging figuring out where i sit on the work from home versus office Mm -hmm. issue or not issue but debate in culture right now because i find like i actually commented on somebody's linkedin post this morning i don't know who it was but they were like uh nobody should have to go drive over an hour to go sit in a box argument over and i just commented i was like well if you're looking at it as sitting in a box i think there's another issue here yeah because like if you enjoy your job like I, I would hope that our team doesn't think about like driving 30 minutes to get here yeah, to like sit a in a, yeah, yeah. To like come and sit at their desk. Got you Trent. Trent, <laughs> what are you doing? over there? Um, <laughs> you know, like I just, I think that's another issue. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, absolutely. but then again, like I do, like I, like, I guess I would, I'd probably say like I'm 51% work from in an office. Yeah. Um, but then I do like that flexibility of like sometimes if I do work from home, like yeah. coming in at 11, yeah, like taking my time in the morning, going to grab a coffee with a friend or like yeah. sleep in a little and then come and then I'll work till seven. Yeah. I'll work a couple hours later. Like, absolutely. Or so. even what you're saying where you're driving an hour to Wellesley, you could have taken that hour and started working at home already. Right. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. Well, there's so a, many arguments on each side. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, again, it's like the, it's the cost of time and I get why people get mad about it. Cause I think, What's the real problem to your point, Mike, is I think 
the effort and dedication that people have given to jobs has mm-hmm. been like lackluster over mm-hmm. like since the industrial revolution, quite honestly. You know right. what I mean? It's always been that like your worker bee, be a worker bee and like right. don't complain about it. And yeah. I think now people are like, wait a second, if I'm spending 50 hours a week and you're asking for more too, because now it's not just like, oh, work nine to five anymore. Like you get to a startup and they're like, no, you should be here till 11 having drinks with the team. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, we're having an office party at nine o'clock. Like everyone come, it's like, it's like, dude, guys, come on. Like people like have lives, you know, yeah. people want to go grocery shopping. People want to sit on the couch. They want to see family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think there's having, so many personal things, like yeah. even like you said, laundry, dry cleaning. Like there's so many things like I have to like call my doctor's office. Yeah. You can only do that between nine and five yeah. or like call exactly. this person or exactly. like go you to know. the bank, you know, like, exactly. You know I mean? Right. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's that, like that lack of a, that lack of appreciation for those kind of because now it's like you're the business creates inconveniences for the employees right and i feel Mm. like that's where if you're a smart employer you're looking at them saying how can i remove the barriers of entry for my employees to feel like when they come here they can just be focusing on their work you know the rest of the distractions are at ease they've had the flexibility they've had the time we appreciate and understand the work they're doing for us and how much they're dedicating to like our own business you know because we can go and take this conversation into pay and equity and like all that sort of crazy stuff but I won't get too crazy. About I think that. the other funny thing is before March of 2020, I don't ever hear, I didn't ever hear the argument of I shouldn't have to drive to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then everybody went home and everybody's like, Oh, hold on. Actually. No, I'm, I'm comfy in my PJs at home. Yeah. It's like, okay, come on. Yeah. Really? <laughs> no, for sure. Well, and I think it's like funny. it's, it's cause I remember even like when I first started this job at, with connect up, it was almost like a benefit. Like, Oh, if you need to, you can, you know what I yeah. mean? Like that was all, it was asterisks on both sides. You know what I mean? Like you still were texting your direct manager being like, Hey, I'm like not feeling good. Or yeah. like, Hey, something happened in my car. Like I need to do my work from home today. Right. And as long as it wasn't like, Oh, we have a big meeting in the office today, right. or like a client coming in or a pitch that you need to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, you would try to do your best. It yeah. gets the work done too. As long as you yeah. get your right. work done, that's the biggest point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what, like my um, fiance works for CVS, right? And like, oh, wow. she like, not a worker be necessary, but she's doing a lot of analytical work. And it's like the same thing where it's like, hey, I get my job done. They pay me to get the job done. And that's it. You know, am I spending, you know, 50 hours a week at my computer answering emails, doing this work? No, it doesn't take me 50 hours. Right. But again, as long as I'm not a bottleneck in the machine, so to speak, right. then like no one complains, no one cares. And like, no one's coming into my inbox asking for changes. You know what I mean? So, so she doesn't have to go to the, the no, location of Wintaki. She doesn't. She actually just went for the first time in three months, oh, like last week. Nice. Yeah. And she's like, not going to go in for another three months. <laughs> yeah. She had yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Was good. She's like, I, I, that was my one office outfit. Like I gotta wait three months before I can wear it again. And happy, but you know what I mean? No, I'm just yeah. oh, That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I have one random question that I, I had way earlier in our conversation. Yeah. Um, when you were in college, you said you were majoring in entrepreneurship and then finance. Mm -hmm. What I guess was like just random, uh, curious, what made you not want to go into like finance or like banking? Was it just not interesting at all? Yeah. I mean, I think it was interesting. Like I would do finance projects still. Like, um, I remember when like I was taking an investments class and, I started just reading about like different because like investments, right? Got cool ways to make money, like right. invest in stocks, do the thing. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, the professor wasn't 
the most exciting thinker, you know what I'm saying? In terms of investments, like you needed like yeah. the Matthew McConaughey, Wall Street guy busting in to like add some life to that class. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> teach you about 401ks yeah. and stuff. And he's like, just comes in with cocaine off his nose being like, hey, like, oh, come on, <laughs> it's about getting the clients on, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but yeah, but like even then it was like, there was this cool program or like language you could do different financial bots. Like you could program a bot to trade at different points for you. Yeah. Kind of like what all the hedge funds do. They just like, calculate the risk, what their strategy wants to be. And they have a bot literally just timing it out based on market conditions. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like investor, like monitoring without like monitoring investments. And it was like, all right, cool, let's build that. So like one, like a couple weeks and a couple months I worked with a professor to like code one. Huh. And I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. But I was like, ah, it's also like not a lot of fun. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so I was yeah, like, all right, cool, yeah. bail that in. Um, and I just liked the dynamics of entrepreneurship. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like it was never, it was, it was like, all right, cool. I can actually think about different things and like right. make efforts towards. You're not going to be doing the same exact thing. Exactly. All the time. It's a shuffle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Today I'll have my sales hat on tomorrow. I'll be marketing. The next right. day it'll be product or ops. You Keeps know what I mean? Keeps it exciting. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, yeah Sweet, that, was, that was why. What, uh, what's on the horizon for the next six months to a year Oof. at Aragami? What do you, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's just a lot of like focusing on our pre-seed round, getting some money, building a team. Sweet. Um, I want to really look at start doing some partnerships for a direct to consumer product because we're kind of getting to a place with a platform where we could plug into something like a Canva or Adobe InDesign directly yeah. and kind of give them just use their builder. You know, that's kind of been the conversation of the team is like, all right, do we go this, the route everybody else has, which is start building your own builder that people can come in and create things? Mm, yeah. Because again, like how do we help our user navigate that education gap on how, what do they have to do to actually create an experience on our platform? Right. Um, or could we just go to someone like a Canva and just partner with them directly and say, right. hey, license our technology, offer no code experiences to your audience. They can use the same platform. It's just a different download that they hit at the end of the day. Yeah. Repeat, um, repeat, repeat. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's like, all right, cool. Now you have a whole new product you can charge people for. Right. Um, yeah, because I think the the plan for the company right now is just like, we know someone can make a billion dollars on this thing, but like we're pretty okay being the acquired technology and just like helping it make it happen. Yeah. So it's more just like the challenge of like, how do we grow scale now? And how do we grow to that point where we're like, yeah, we can let this thing go. Do you want to hear a crazy stat, right? So there's about like 24 million people in the world who like know how to code, wow. give or take. That's it. So like less than, I think it's like less than 1% of the US population are all the people who are actively building software for the rest mm. of the world to use. Jeez. Between Canva and Adobe alone, they outnumber coders three to one. Oh, so more people Shit. like buy a pretty significant, just on those two platforms too. Like we've had clients use Microsoft Word to like <laughs> generate experiences. Um, but like, so when you look at that and you say, okay, the real problem here is like, how do we get more of these people building these experiences with a, a language they already understand? Yeah. And it's like, so if we can tap into these platforms that people are already building, PDFs and the rest of it, boom, we have our, our new website builder built on something already used. And I feel like that's where you really kind of unlock a new level for yeah. everyday people to be able to generate these experiences without having to get a whole new book of, of knowledge from somewhere yeah. else. Cause a PDF platform, everyone from someone who's 15 years old, all the way up to, you know, now 65, 70 knows what a PDF is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So there's not really that big of a learning curve. Yeah. And everything about every major platform, Google, like Microsoft, Adobe, like now you have Canva, you have lucid print, a press, uh, you have like even, uh, you go to, um, 
what's it like Prezi, you know, mm. like yep. oh, I you forgot can, about Prezi. Yeah. yeah. I used to see that in college. Yeah. 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 It was great presentations, man. Yeah. Great presentations. But like, like it's spinning shit. Yeah. And it, like, did, like, it always did like the cool follow like channels. Yeah. But yeah, like if you can get down a PDF, you can put it on our platform and boom, you got yourself a mobile app. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's pretty wild. It's just now like the, the challenge of any startup is like, what's the market willing to pay the most for it? Right. And how do you convert those sales as efficiently as possible? Mm. And that's the real problem we're solving right now. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For us. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it's um, next six months. We'll see. We'll see to be, to be determined whether sweet. or not Aragami is a raging success. And yeah. Here. We'll have you come back in a year. Yeah, dude. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that'd going. be pretty wild. That'd be pretty wild. Um, give yourself a, a shout out here. Like where can people learn more? The website, social media. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Aragami.co. Um, you can find us online. Uh, I, I'm a big LinkedIn user. So if you just cool. find uh, Bradley Adams and LinkedIn, um, just look for the guy that says he's making the materials that matter mobile. Um, <laughs> and, go. uh, you can connect with me there. Always happy to connect with people too. Really involved with the Providence, uh, kind of community here. Yeah. Um, you guys know our work we're doing with the friends and founders, right. uh, organization and everything. So yep. yeah, if you're a passionate entrepreneur and need some help, give me a ring. Sweet man. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, go check out Aragami and, um, stay tuned for the next episode of up in your business. 